Welcome to Permaculture Tonight again. It's Friday night here with us. We are about to drive down to San Diego. I'm speaking at an Earth Day event at the World Beat Center in Balboa Park. It's going to be live music. It's going to be incredible. We are ecstatic. We have passed our funding goal of 12,000. We have passed our first stretch goal of 15,000. And that's for the audiobook, A Permaculture Family, which is about Adriana and I's journey. We were born on opposite sides of the world. And the first time I saw him, he was actually on stage with playing the bass with his teeth. I don't even know how this was happening. It was only until three days later that I knew that I'd marry her. Six months later, we were married. We saw each other and Sparks began to fly and it was just, you know, we couldn't resist each other. It was pretty much love at first sight. A month after we moved in, I found out that I had uh, thyroid cancer. After I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, I went through the radiation and did everything my doctors told me to do. I was then, a few months later, diagnosed with melanoma skin cancer. So once we got to California is kind of when we began to start our journey to what led us to permaculture. It was everything from, you know, me trying to cleanse my body after having, you know, radiation and having all these other side effects, autoimmune problems and, you know, dental problems and, you know, all kinds of things. There, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, joint pain, like just all these things that I've experienced since then, it's been kind of catastrophic and so we've we've done everything we can to try to figure out why this is happening and what we can do to make it better and we started gardening we I started I discovered the EWG and I threw out all of our household products and you know I clean with you know vinegar and baking soda and I you know do everything I can to keep our lives as you know chemical free and we're so happy for it and we love it find not good, not better, but what was best for each other and for our family. And it was the permaculture that put all those pieces together into a holistic framework for our family so that we can accomplish the things that we need to accomplish as a family. Alright, so tonight we're also going to be talking about the Kickstarter. Because a lot of people don't know why I am running a Kickstarter. A lot of people don't know about the second book. And I wanted to talk about that. Because my first book is an introduction. I focused on the principles. It was really written for middle schoolers, adults, high schoolers, and elementary school teachers and parents of young children are all using it now. And it's really just, you know, an introduction. It's just cracking the surface. It's providing a foundation with the principles, with the definitions of things that are clear and understandable with pictures. And it's also illustrated and looks really, really amazing and fun and engaging. And that was the whole idea. And Wayne Fleming is back on board to do some art for the second book for the high school volume. It will be the first high school textbook ever for permaculture. And not only that, it's gonna do a lot of things that other permaculture books haven't done before. And I want it to be, you know, the most comprehensive, the most up-to-date, 
um, it won't be the most in depth because it's for for high schoolers. I mean, this we're introducing the complexity, we're introducing the conditions, we're introducing the idea that we're all scientists in our own life. That the only way we truly know is we have to test it and know for ourselves. The Permaculture Student Two is a book that any adult can use to really understand the breadth of permaculture. Permaculture is a lens. It's a framework for organizing things and to solve problems. Holistic management for decision making is something that was not originally in Bill Mollison's book, Permaculture Designer's Manual. I've added that in to help with decision making because it's a holistic framework that's superb for decision making. There's also holistic management for cattle managing, which I have in there as well which has been developed for decades by Alan Savory, and he's experienced a lot of errors, and he's had to look, I mean, I think Alan is a wonderful example of someone who's learned the hard way. And his book really is thick and big, and yeah, because he takes you through why he learned, how he learned, and the complexity of it is, is astonishing. And that's why we all need to be scientists about things. The reality is a even Advil or aspirin doesn't affect everyone the same way. The directions on the sides of, you know, of, you know, anything you put into your body is going to react differently in different people's bodies. People talk about, you know, the pH of, of their food and they talk about the, all these different things are going to affect people differently. I mean, sometimes going on a heavy, like, juicing cleanse for someone who's not ready for that or someone who um, has a lot of like heavy metal detoxing that could be really hard on their kidneys and their liver uh, to talk, detox all at once you know what I mean so there's all these conditions right to life and the problem with schooling and the problem with you know bureaucracy like government right is they have one-size-fits-all mentalities it's like no Cutting trees are bad, so we must never cut trees. And then we have these huge wildfires, right? It's like, well, you don't want to cut all the trees down. You want to thin out the bad ones. You want to do silviculture, and you want to start trimming those tree branches up to like 16 to 18 feet high in areas where you know there's going to be fire coming next year. And so that you uh, get rid of the fuel uh, down on the ground, and you start burying uh, wood to make it during the rainy season. So that I'll get punky with fungi or fungi or whatever you say. And, and you know, by the time fire season starts in the middle of uh, summer, if you're in a Mediterranean region, we've got these hugel cultures that are fire breaks, giant fire breaks. And they're, Cal Fire's already doing these kind of things. They don't call them hugel cultures as we do in permaculture. But it's just basic, you know, basic physics, right? That's why they throw dirt on a fire, right? And, and, and wet wood, you know, buried, you know, 10, 5 to 10 feet deep, covered with 2 feet of soil. When the fire approaches that, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a hard time changing the, um, the moisture, the temperature. It's going to slow. And if there's no fuel above and no fuel even further above, it's going to just go out or that's going to be an area where they're going to be able to really hold that fire in and let it burn itself out like i said you know it depends and that's the thing with permaculture i think a lot of people turn to permaculture and they want all the answers they want everything to be in a box and i want to press the button and it to plop out and it to be perfect 
and I want it to look exactly like Mark Shepard's or Grant Schultz's place or Mark, uh, you know what I mean? Every design is going to be unique, and that's why we need everyone to learn how to see the world in a new way. Because obviously the way we've been viewing and operating with the world isn't working. Our environment is literally collapsing around us. And I mean collapsing in a way that supports us. It, it, it'll, it'll compost and rebuild just like everything does on Earth, right? But we're not going to be included if we're not playing our cards correctly. So we need to... And, and, and I mean, I say all this and everyone's kind of heard all that and that desensitizes us, right? But the other flip side of that is it's, that's just a spur to action. We, we're not doomed at all. The carbon that is in the atmosphere, the carbon that's in the sea came from the soil and it came from the, the forest that used to cover the earth. So it's these big savannas with these deep soils, these grasslands with these deep soils. We've got these forests that are holding all this water in them and they're creating all this shade and they're creating all this rain. And So we have these things, these elements that created the environment in which humanity grew and prospered. Those conditions have changed and are changing rapidly because we removed the things that created that situation. It's really just that simple. And if we just live life in a way and we design systems that in a way always sequester carbon, and we can, it's really easy, we, we, we can take all that back remarkably fast. We can have wilderness, agriculture, and our neighborhoods and our local environments and our air all rebound really quickly, including our ocean. And that's another thing that my book is different. I have ocean repair. I have large landscape repair because, man, it's time. All these individuals have their own books, have their own programs. But I, 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 I'm, I'm friends with them. I'm friends with the, uh, the people that they've taught, Wh whether we're talking about Sepp Holzer or whether we're talking about uh, Mark Shepard. I mean, all these people are coming out with their own materials, but the reality is it's all happening right now, and they're all doing it their own way. And the information's out there. We all can be regenerative. This destruction to this liquidation of natural capital to make fiscal capital is is a one-way thing and that's not going to work earth doesn't work that way right it, it, you, the user must pay right bill mollison from the permaculture designers manual so what we need to do is we need to spread the information on how to do this because people everywhere aren't at fault they've been educated in such a way that has led them to believe that what they're doing is the only option and it's a big sad story and if those people over there didn't cut down those trees or burn that. Everything would be fine. You could drive your, your car every day. And, and just if those people over there, you know what I mean? Like that kind of propaganda is crazy, right? I mean, we're the seed of the consumers on Earth. I mean, the West is America. Is, we're the one consuming all this stuff. So what we need to do is you need to take a step back and, you know, follow the prime directive that Bill Mollison laid down and, we need to take responsibility for ourselves and our children uh, and make sustainable living situations uh, and take do it now. We just need to do it now. And, you know, it's a process, and that's why I'm doing my audiobook uh, to show how long of a process it's been for us, how um, hard it's been, and how much opposition we face. So 
what we need to get to is we need to get to people everywhere. And that's what this book is going to do. It's written for high schoolers. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be every single year. What's exciting about my books is they're going to just, and they're already doing this, they're just going to slip right in. And everyone's like, oh, you need standards. It's going to, you need science standards. And it's like, no, they've all got these gardens that they got grants for, and they don't know what the heck to teach. They don't know how to manage it. They want a perennial system, really. They're not there in the summer, so they can't grow the normal garden vegetables. <laughs> they start them, and then the kids leave, and then the teachers leave, because there's no reason for them to be there. The kids are their real motivation if they're really there for teaching. Um, so... What we need to do, and they want low maintenance. I had a garden at the high school I taught at that was a rain garden. I was growing annuals in it and perennials, um, lots of legumes. I had a, um, we'd gravel around these raised beds, and I grew a yellow pear tomato in just gravel with no irrigation. There probably was some moisture that it got um, like maybe two feet down, uh, wicking away from the boxes maybe. But it was like six feet away from the box. So I, I don't know. You know what I mean? That's hard to measure. But they do have long. But anyway, anyway, anyway. That's the thing. It totally depends. And the fact is it worked. How it worked is kind of part of nature's wonder, right? And that's the beauty of nature. And, and that's what w w the romance of nature um, is that you, you, you set up the situation. You give the the components for life to take part in the situation and you know how the cycles work um, and you can observe it happening. But as it's happening, I mean, it's happening, especially like if we're talking about compost, it's microscopic, it's happening so fast. And, and you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's wonder and it's joy too because it gives you so much, so freely. It's a beautiful thing, especially to introduce children to and high schoolers who are so often so jaded. You give them a teeny, like, uh, like bag of seeds and then they go home they come back to school completely different and changed because they, they're growing food they did it no one else did it I didn't give them a plant they went home and did it. I told them what they could do I gave them a bunch of different I gave them a menu of options right so and, and I also you know made it attractive and made it fun and and that's also what we need to do my books are short. I mean, it's going to be one class, one elective in high school for this book. And then the second book will be like another elective. But if we have these books in schools, what's going to happen is it's going to become the backbone. It's going to become the lens that the kids use in all the other classes. Because they're going to be in math and they're going to be thinking about, oh, well, yeah, of course that this angle thing works like this. And it'll be applied to when I design my house. And when the sun as it passes through the year and it changes, they they see that there's complexity in the world. They recognize math in the world around them. They see relevance and suddenly they learn. And that that was the thing as a teacher. It's my my epic struggle was finding uh, common ground with the kids, finding something that would stick, finding something that they would find meaning in. Because learning, I could force feed them. I could punish them with grades and all that junk. Um, but they'll never learn. They'll never uh, believe it and live it. Unless you have them own it. and Unless it's relevant to them in their lives. 
So that's what I aim to do with this new book. So I want it to be something that someone in the city is like, this is what I need. I'm going home today and all of our organic waste is going to be composted and vermicomposted and all of our paper waste is going to be turned into uh, mushrooms and substrate and then that's going to be vermicomposted and it's all going to go into the community garden and it's going to become our vegetables and all our excess we're going to trade we're going to can and we're going to save all that money and it's maybe because they had to pay for their trash to be hauled out and now it's all compact and it's all basically recyclables and so we're you know we're nearing a point where people can't afford not to do this so there's this, all this complexity that's going on. There's all this information that's come out. Um, Elaine Ingham, Dr. Elaine Ingham is helping me write this next book. She helped me write the first book, The Soil Section. She is a soil scientist that created the methodology, if you guys listened to the earlier podcast, that revolutionized soil science. And it's really, at the, if you read Bill Mollison's Permaculture Design Manual, at the beginning of the chapter, it's all like Chaucer's like apology at the beginning of uh, Canterbury Tales, where he's like, oh, I'm not fit to do the duty of writing this. You know what I mean? Bill's doing that. And I know everyone's like, oh, these people, they think they're, they're gods. And, and it's like, yeah, troll. Well, maybe if you read the words of Bill Mollison or Jeff Lawton or Darren Doherty or, you know, if you actually read the words of the people who are practicing this in the world, you'd see that they're actually calling for study. They're actually saying there needs to be more done. There's mystery. There's wonder. And that doesn't fit into the way we've, we are masters of the universe, you know, according to science and according to big ag and the chemical companies, genetic modifiers and all these other, you know, industrialists. We, we run the universe. And it's, it, it just doesn't work. You can't, I mean, people are too different. The, our bodies are too different. The science that they're basing it on also is, is bogus. I mean, I remember when I took my master's uh, courses and I was just shocked. I was like, this isn't hard information. This is pertinent information. It should be taught to high school kids and also taught to teachers when they're becoming teachers and they withhold the information instead teach some other stuff. And so you're going around and all the teachers are doing like research, they're doing stuff based on research from like 20 years ago, instead of the past five to 10. So there's this just huge disconnect in our society with like using our brains and doing what's on paper or what like an official or expert supposedly says. We never go like take it home and test it and then apply to different situations and test it and examine the results in a refined um, way. And that's really what happened to, um, and this relates back to the audiobook. This that's what happened to me and my family. My wife got cancer a second time, three months after taking the radiation to fight the first cancer. And when I asked if the cancer could have been caused by the radiation, they just started like fumbling for their words, could look me in the eye, and it like, like my insides got this electric shock. And I kid you not, I, it ruined part of me. And I will never have that kind of trust again. That was my wife they were playing with. That they're just guessing with. 
and the radiation with our our newborn baby they were just guessing with whoo it this, uh, this audio book is gonna get a little emotional i think <laughs> And that's good. That's good. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why I write my book. That's why I have passion. And that's why I will not stop trying to refine this work, trying to push, trying to get all the, the, the people who are on the cutting edge, researching this all, getting it out there. I'm, I'm going to be working with them because children can take part in this and teenagers can take part in this and young adults because they don't have any work to do because there's no jobs in our market, job market. They can take part. All the adults are busy working their heads off, right? So it's the schools. These and, and you guys can read my book. It's going to be I'm gonna put pictures in it. I'm gonna make it really understandable. I'm gonna make it ninth to tenth grade um, language, and I'm gonna have the vocabulary boxes. But the fact is, it's gonna be 300, 400 pages long, maybe, maybe even longer. And and it's, I, I might try to condense it, might do columns or something like that to shorten it to make it easier on the print and whatnot. But the reality is I need to get this information out there. I mean, Permaculture for Alternative Energy is a group on Facebook, but I don't see it anywhere in any of the permaculture books I own. And I got all the expensive, nice ones. I'm going to have it in my book. I'm working with Troy Martz and we're going to with Ernie and Erica Wisner. And... I'm going to have it in there because we need to know. I mean, this science behind alternative energy that we're given the renewable energy, the green tech, all that stuff is bogus compared to the real, the real alternative energy. The sun, the wind, the, the, the water can be used in a completely different way. Like, for instance, the Trump. There's an airplane in Canada where the water's dropping, um, and there's air carried in that water that drops down a mine shaft, and it's carried horizontally. There's an air pocket that they allow all that air to create pressure in, and they have a release for the air that they control, and then they have a release for that water, which comes out as a geyser. And that air pressure provides cold, pressurized air without any moving parts, without any, any electricity or fuel, it's been running for over 70 years, um, and it's the air plant in Canada. Uh, there's also one of these tromps that they just diverted a river outside of St. Petersburg in the Summer Mansion. They wanted this crazy uh, fountain to, uh, display to be all timed and to just constantly work. They didn't want to put any effort into it, so they just wanted to set it up once. And so they created a tromp, dropped that water, created that pressure, and... And they didn't even, I don't even know if they're using the pressurized air. They're just using the pressure to create this whole system. Actually, no, they have to be using the pressurized air because otherwise they wouldn't be able to time it and withhold it the way they do. So they've got this intricate ballet of water all powered. And I mean, this is centuries old now. It's Peter the Great we're talking about. So we have this technology um, we, even before the law of thermodynamics was laid down, uh, we, we were using, we were moving to air, hot air engines. So it's, it's actually kind of similar to the diesel engine, the way uh, hot air makes those pistons move. Um, the hot and cold association on two different sides of a medium um, 
causes movement back and forth between those two different things. The hot air causes expansion and it causes things to, the air to rise. And then cold air causes contraction, causes air to fall. So you can create a turbine this way. And there's a bunch of other things you can do with just that principle. This principle creates a whole paradigm, this whole idea of just hot air, cold air. So you could like use a solar conductor and um, just a, you know, uh, just a straight into a, like a wire or a metal rod. Um, and then you could use a well for like cool air. And you can create this association and then you'd have to, you know, tinker with it, balance. It depends on your well, it depends on the sun, it depends on all these different things. And it's, that's the thing with all this stuff is that it has to be something that we tinker with and we build on our site. It cannot be this industrialized thing. And that is exactly why there's corporate trolls attacking permaculture. Because they're like, wait a second, you're calling for the end of industrialized living. We're calling for the return of craftsmanship, the return of local economies, bioregional fuel, bioregional energy, bioregional food. Um, we're going to be talking about our watersheds. We're going to be thinking about all these things that are, are where we live, how we, and then suddenly environmental laws become completely moot because it's like, yeah, you're not going to do that to that hill because everyone in this town um, won't let you in to our town because why would we let someone destroy that area? You know what I mean? It, when it becomes common sense, th there's no chink in the armor. There's no one you can bribe because... We understand where it's heading, where it will go, what you're actually doing when you do mountaintop removal of coal or when you're, you know what I mean? All these different kinds of things that are going on, we can move past them. We know that stick fire burns cleanly, despite the fact that the industry doesn't ever go into the clean range as an industry standard, which it could easily. We be, could be clean burning everything with stick fires and J-tubes and rocket stoves and rocket mass heaters. We could have um, entire mushroom farms just using rocket mass heaters. We could have turbines using air. We could do so many different things. And it really just starts with us understanding the basic physics of of water and air and gravity and you know all these different things that we don't ever teach and we don't ever show how they actually work and we don't let kids tinker or experiment or build things and fail and learn from that failure and keep trying and I'm I'm saying we need that now we need that now more than ever I'm saying this book needs to be in schools everywhere so that for one semester or for a whole year uh, for as an elective Kids in high schools can learn how to be regenerative with the way they eat, the way they, 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 they build homes, the way they design communities, the way they create businesses, the way they, we create laws, the way that we interact with our, our political systems, with the way that we interact with each other in our community, with charity, with the soil. It's all encompassing. And that's the thing that people have talked about in permaculture, but I've yet to find a book that does it. I mean, you have aspects, and we have, and they're kind of like broken up between all the different books. I mean, Toby Hemingway's *The Permaculture City* is, you know, urban permaculture, but it's also a lot of social permaculture in there because urban is really a social environment, it's a social setting. It's not like a rural setting where you're really in a um, pastoral setting. You know, a lot of times you're in a, a wilderness setting sometimes, and 
it, there, there's less people, the, the, the resource you have there is nature to work with you. But in cities, with all that concrete and all that, um, with all those obstacles in our way, we really have to rely on people power. That is the resource in the city. So I have that in there. I have that as invisible structures, commerce, community, and politics. We have aquaculture that's in there. And I have ocean repair. And this is really critical. We talk about repairing land and permaculture, but we never talk about repairing the oceans. And I just felt like I had to study on it and had to look it up and had to see what was out there. And things are being done. The information is out there. It's just not being spread. And it's not being organized into a framework. So what I have done is I have got large landscape repair. I've got all the different climates. I've got permaculture in practice. I've got a standalone fungi chapter. I have all the elements of permaculture. I've added in elements of the agrarian's platform, holistic management, Elaine Ingham's soil science, the food soil web. I've added in alternative energy. I've created things that no one has created yet simply because they haven't had the organized information in front of them. And so literally, like here's an example, something that you would have come up with too. I just came up with it because it was there in front of me. So Troy Mars, alternative energy expert, was talking to me. And we were talking about the different engines, the Stirling engine. We were talking about rocket mass heaters. And then we were talking about biofuels. We were talking about algae biofuels. The government in, in the U.S. started one uh, under Carter, and they've been working on it this entire time. And the military actually is really involved. And the military is not planning on doing anything other than switching from regular fuel to biofuel so that the engines all still work. Because, I mean, we've got all the, the military planes from back in World War II mothballed in Arizona and, you know, in uh, plane graveyards that, so that we could use them at a moment's notice. Uh, and all those engines all work on fuel. So they're, they're, they're invested in fuel. And what they have done is they figured out how to take algae, create photosynthetic blooms under panes of glass, and then have that break down in a separate area, have that all that methane that's released, that biogas, burn that for electricity, return the CO2 to be fed to the algae blooms. So that's that closed circuit CO2, still drawing CO2 in from the atmosphere. Otherwise, it's not a carbon sequestration model, right? And then they use that, they refine that um, that broken down algae slurry that's that's like basically the same as oil and there's they're talking about using regular oil refineries regular oil refiners to refine it into regular oil and gas and what i'm saying is we shouldn't even do that what we should do is turn all these power plants the, the these methane power plants that they're talking about really <laughs> into sinks what we do is we take these and we put them on top of oil wells, old oil wells that are empty. Then we start the algae blooming, breaking down, generating electricity, and then sinking back down that well and returning the carbon, pulling it out of the atmosphere and returning it directly from whence it came. So we could do a full reverse. We could just set up these, these passive uh, power plants to create electricity that also sink carbon 
into from where it came. So it's literally the reverse of burning oil or gas. And 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 let's say we really do need it at some point. Well, it's all down there and it's all saved. It's all ready to go. You just pump it, reverse the thing, take it out. If that's really, really something we needed to do. The reality is we have the science. And that little thing that I just you know, came up up with, you know, just not, you know, came upon. You could have come upon. My son could have come upon. Any of us could have come upon that. And you're like, oh, wait, so you're saying it's oil. Why don't you just put it back in the ground? Wouldn't that be sinking carbon? Right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just that simple. And they're like, okay, well, if it all the topsoil, what if we just took all that organic matter and returned it to the soil and broken down compost completely, you know, into humus? Well, that's stable for you know, 10,000 years. So w- what if we did that? Well, we would build our soils. What if we all farmed, raised cattle like Joel Saladin did? What if we created perennial gardens and perennial um, with annual between it? Because you need disturbance for the annual, but perennials hold the system together. Farms. And we suddenly shifted to soil creation where every year you're getting more and more soil. I know it took Paul Kaiser several years to get his soil up to 8 or 10% organic matter, but that's only a couple of years. We're talking about a huge problem that we could just take care of. We could have farmers be the ones who are the carbon sequestration heroes. We can have fishermen be the ones that are growing food and then letting it all go, letting it rot, letting it be consumed by the wildlife, growing the wildlife huge, watching the seas get wild again. There's going to be joy in this. There's going to be an amazing thing happen when we are ushering in the return of nature, when we see the oceans become more plentiful, when we see the oceans become more plentiful, when we see the sky has become bluer, not whiter. When we no longer need to cloud seed every single day over the Central Valley. I know people think it's chemtrails. They're cloud seeding. Um, maybe they're mixing other things into it. But uh, I know that they have a plan because if you look up the North American Weather Modification Council, you can get yourself a uh, sponsorship or a scholarship that to go and uh, study with them. So. Uh, it's it's pretty real, and I mean, if you read Bill Mollison's book, Cloud Seeding is a section in Permaculture Designer's Manual. So, and he, I mean, he advocates that we just use the natural ways of cloud seeding, like trees and leaf litter. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the thing is that, like all these things they aren't that mysterious. We have a society that thrives on this whole like have and have not thing, where it's like I have the special words and I know their meanings, but you don't know. And it's, it's like, okay, the leaders of our country at the beginning of our country would stop government and government business to go home and harvest their food. And it made it so that everyone understood everyone else on a common level. We saw eye to eye. There was this total egalitarianness to things. And that's not to say that there wasn't with uh, the South of slavery or there wasn't with male and female. I'm just simply talking about an aspect we can totally expand it to those areas. Why, why can't we? Why, why, would, why would we stop? Why would we hold back? 
something good. I say we, we, we embrace it. I say we go full bore. I say you start turning all your paper and cardboard waste into fungi. I say you start going to the store with reusable bags. I say you start having grazers, you know, move across your lawn. You hire someone who has goats to come and take down your fire, your fire hazardous uh, growth that's around your yard. It's all possible. It's all doable. And the reality is it's the only affordable option. Our economy is costing us our health. It's costing us our ecology. And it's costing us our children's health and their children's future. And that's the thing I can't stand. I just can't stand it. I can't just sit still. I can't stand by and let my kids have a, a, a negative future and not have a chance. My children are probably going to have cancer if I don't do that. They've, their mother had cancer three times. Some of the cancer was she had while they, she was pregnant with them. And it's it, it, and it, I, I have to do something for their future to be positive, for their future to be hopeful, for them never to have cancer. I need to know, as a dad, as a person who, who cares for all the kids that I ever taught in my high school and all the kids I subbed for, as a person who cares for everyone, that I meet and I want to help everyone and help all the families. That's why I wrote this book. I wrote this book because it's a, a handbook to be a regenerative earth dweller so that children everywhere can get a glimpse of what is possible outside of what they've been taught so far so that they can see that the world is hope-filled, full of possibilities, and that they are the ones that can take part in it. They don't need a PhD. They don't need any kind of certification from anyone. They can breed plants. They can grow food. They can live healthy. They can regenerate landscapes. They can do so much. We have to empower them. We, we just can't continue the way we are. And I'm so excited that this book is funded. I'm so excited. There's high schools and schools everywhere, all over the world, that are excited about this book. They're ready. And this book is going to change the world because it connects to a library of other books that are more complicated, more in-depth. And we're aligning our book to their book because half the authors of those books are helping me. They're peer, peer reviewing, they're editing, they're advising, they're discussing, they're critiquing, they're giving me information I need so that I can make a better framework, more organized and more clear. Because that's what I'm trained to do. I have a master's in education and I've been writing curriculum and training teachers on how to do that for years. And that's something I always love doing because it's a way that I can empower children way I can help children use information and become life learners, problem solvers, people who are doers, not donters. And I'm just really excited that we get to take part in this. And we also get to share a story. Uh, the audiobook's going to be a lot of fun for my, my wife and I to record together. And the, the Magic Beans is, is a fun story that my wife's sister painted in fruit and vegetable juices. And... I wrote originally, and we're actually going to rewrite with my sons and my wife 
as a uh, as a fun exercise as a family um, to make this story more accessible to younger kids because we're, we're going to write it including Oliver. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you all donate to the Kickstarter. And I'll have a link in the show notes. I would just type in, I would just go to Kickstarter, type in Matt Powers Permaculture, and you'll see my projects that are both there. And just pick the number two one. <laughs> and if you haven't gotten the first book, go to thepermaculturestudent.com. Um, there's free videos over there. And actually, I didn't even tell you guys this. Holy cow! I have a free introduction to permaculture. You guys can go on to the week one of the Permaculture Student Online, and you can start the course. And if you really like it, um, you can continue on. You can buy it, and you can share it with your neighbors, your neighborhoods, your communities, your schools. The idea is that you share it with people that you know face-to-face, and you don't share it over the Internet. So um, it's my way of giving back. Uh, my program has, my online program has reached, uh, it's reached hundreds of people. I might, it might be close to a thousand now. It's hard to calculate because you get only a certain amount of sales and then, and then they use it in a school where there are hundreds of kids exposed. Um, uh, my books, uh, have been on every single continent except Antarctica, but I have a friend who might be going down there soon. So we might send them with a book so I can say I've been on every continent of the world. Um, we have schools that are using it, orphanages that are using it. We have humanitarian aid that is using my materials. We are there to help people. This is a work to change the world. This is a work to restore, to regenerate, to reconnect. And we all can take part. Everyone has a place in permaculture. And I'm so excited about it. We really are so excited about it. So join us on the Kickstarter. Support us. Any Kickstarter reward, you get a free audiobook, a permaculture family, a digital copy of The Magic Beans. And, you know, there's tons of things on there. There's tons of options, lots of fun things. I even have seeds of mine that I'm, I'm selling. I even have seeds of mine on there. So check it out. Check out the Kickstarter. And I thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for trying to live regenerative lives. And I say trying because, man, we're all trying. We're still getting there. I'm still getting my electricity on the grid. But soon, someday, we'll all be off. and We'll all be free of the system. And everyone will be healthier, happier, and life will be better. Thank you so much, and have a good night. From Purple Culture Tonight, have a great week.